Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. This is a Thursday edition of the show. Our last episode of the business week, but not, of course, of the entire week. We'll get into more of that later. Would think, uh, you know, that's the opponent the Bucks are playing this week, and we've spent maybe <laughs> report.com, but like just the media in general spent maybe five minutes on the Panthers. Uh, but we'll get into all of that. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joining with me is my fellow colleague from pewterreport.com, JC Allen. JC, it's a very busy day today at the Advent Health Training Center, wasn't it? It certainly was an interesting day, to say the least. A uh, lot of lot of fire thrown around there today <laughs> between Byron and, and also Brady and to a lesser extent, Casey, Casey Rogers and myself in general. Uh, but, you know, hey, uh, we, we got to get the tough questions in and, you know, we know we're not going to get the, the answers that we want, but still got to ask them. So it was uh, the weather's beautiful, though. So <laughs> we got yeah. that. I don't mind yeah, this weather. Know. This is like tracksuit weather. So hopefully Perfect. if it's like this on Saturday, uh, I'm going to. Uh, I don't want to see Maddie Matera in a tracksuit. That means someone's kneecaps are about to get broken. <laughs> He's from Long Island. Don't mess with him. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> John C says reporters had Byron on the ropes. Uh, appreciate everyone watching and uh, listening to this show. Really uh, love everyone that that, that is uh, joining with us in the chat today and if it's your first episode that you're watching with us, welcome. Hope you enjoy it. If you've been rocking with us since day one, we love and we appreciate you. And you know, if you've been rocking with us since day one, that the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast, of course, is Celsius Energy Drinks. And we love Celsius for so many different reasons. Number one for me is the uh, the great variety of flavors that they have. You see the vibes right there, Arctic, Peach, and Tropical. It extends much further than that, though. They got, you know, strawberry lemonade, grapefruit, cucumber, lime, uh, classic orange, peach mango, watermelon, ton of great different flavors. The cola flavor as well. If you don't want to go the, the fruit route, you can go with a, a cola flavored, which you know Scott Reynolds is a huge fan of. So that's one thing that's great about Celsius. Another is that they have seven essential vitamins. Guys, this energy drink is a healthy energy drink. All right. It's the healthiest one that you can find on the market in that category you can um you know you get it because it's healthier than some of the other energy drinks out there and also it provides you <clears throat> excuse me that essential energy to get through your day whether it's a long work day whether it's badgering byron leftwich with multiple questions whether it's you know trying to get to the bottom of why the bucks offense uh can't move the ball once they get into the red zone Whatever it is, just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Uh, go to the store locator. Check out where you can find a Celsius near you, your local bodega or convenience store. Or save money, have it sent straight to your house or apartment by going on Amazon, getting that variety pack, because variety is the spice of life. Uh, just make sure you're drinking Celsius. That's all we ask. Celsius hashtag live fit. And, of course, if you're drinking a Celsius, if you have one coming soon, uh, you know, send a picture to us on Twitter. I can't tell. What do you have there, JC? Is that an Arctic vibe? Very nice. Very nice. Our intern Chandler also was drinking a Arctic vibe today from the Advent Health Training Center. So, JC, we have a lot of things to get into with, <laughs> with Byron Leftwood. Um, Oh man, I don't even know where to start because of, like, I, there's so many different directions. I guess what we just should play a clip and we'll get, we'll dive into it. I guess. Yeah, let let's dive into it. So Byron gets up there, and we're essentially going to give like a play by play of everything. Um, Byron gets up there, and right off the bat, Peter reports Scott Reynolds is like, "Hey Byron, um, the steel." And I'm paraphrasing all of this here, but. He's essentially like the Steelers had one guy that could make a difference for the Steelers on defense, and it was Cam Hayward. And you consistently ran the ball at Cam Hayward, knowing that you were relying on Luke Gedeke to attempt to block Cam Hayward. One-on-one. One-on-one, yeah. So really the, the gist of the question was, why... 
didn't you give more help to Luke Gedeke when he was going one-on-one against a, you know, one of the, the better top tier defensive tackles in the game. And this was Leftwich's comment to a response to Scott Reynolds question on Hayward from Gedeke. That's something you can tie balls into on Monday. Uh, I got to do a better job of helping them out in those situations. Obviously, it's, well, it wasn't that simple, but I just got to do a better job of helping them out. That's really what it comes down to. So Leftwich takes the blame there. And, you know, that's the only, time, the only time he took the blame throughout yeah. the entire presser. Yeah, pretty much. And I guess that's the overall theme of the, the press conference with Leftwich today is that I just I felt it was a little disingenuous because Byron got asked a lot of specific questions from you, from Scott, you know, Rick Stroud, every, everyone involved there. And, you know, there's a time and place for coach speak. And I don't really think that was, you know, the, the proper place to, to go about it. Um, you know, he continuously said, we got to put the players in, in the right position to do well. Uh, we're we're doing it to our best ability, and I just overall I <laughs> Tom says no logic at all. We will get to that video uh, very soon, um, as Nathan says. Go Scott right right off the bat. I just to the way I would describe it is disingenuous, not giving full thorough answers, and just kind of like pleading the fifth to a degree. So then uh, you had asked Byron Leftwich about running on first down and um and just the predictability of you know right. why it has been so predictable so the predictability of it he essentially said like where you know we look at everything we we try not to we're, we're trying to be the best that we can be didn't really answer it and then you follow up with the, just the lack of execution with running on first down. So this was Leftwich's response to that. What's the, why the, I don't want to say stubbornness, but why continue to run the ball on first down when it's been ineffective? Uh, we do what we feel as though the best thing for us to move the ball and to score points on every down. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Just the disingenuous. That was after we're doing what we need to do. It. What's up? Just after he laughed at my question. Yeah, with such disrespect because you didn't like the fact that I use an EPA stat instead of a yards per game or yards per carry, which both are not good either. So, right. Yeah. Byron, yeah. What do you want me to use? It's not good. It's not. It, it hasn't been working. It's pr- c- clearly predictable. Teams know that you're getting that you're going to run on first down 14 runs last week. And you're setting yourself up in positions in a second and long, a third and long situation. It continues to happen. And just because Lenny breaks one off for 12 yards doesn't give the rest of those runs credibility throughout the game. The, one of the biggest issues I had with Byron, <laughs> one of the biggest issues I had with Byron today, he's I'm not going to go into details. Yep. Byron, the game is over. Like we can watch it and go back and see, like, just because we're not head coaches or we're not football players or, and some of the, some media members are, doesn't mean that we can't look at a play and, and diagnose a play and say, this was what this play was called. Maybe it wasn't executed properly. Maybe they didn't, the, 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 between the offensive line, the running backs didn't follow the script perfectly, but that's the play that was called. And it's clearly right there to see. And he didn't want to go into details about anything. And I like that boggles my mind because right now is a time for transparency for you and say, look, we were trying to do this on this and this didn't happen because of, because of this explain why X, Y, and Z didn't happen because they gave you an X, Y, and Z look, instead of just saying, I'm not going into details. We're just trying to turn it around. Well, you've been trying to turn it around. It hasn't happened yet. What's going on? Yeah. And I think what's frustrating too is, on top of the coach speak and the just not providing any sort of detail at all whatsoever is, and I I understand like some people want to move the page where it's like, okay, look, let's focus on Carolina now, but we only get the coordinators once a week and we don't get them until Thursday. So it's a weird spot because sure. You're only three days. You're four days removed from the last game and you're closer to the next game than you were the previous game. But if you only get these guys once a week, you have to ask like what happened on Sunday before you look forward to the following Sunday or Monday or Thursday, whenever they're playing. So 
that's why there hasn't been a ton of um you know <laughs> focus on focus by the media and everyone on the Panthers. I'm sure the the Bucks are very well dialed into you know going against Carolina this week, but you know we'll there was there was a well yeah we will see. Um, but there was a lot of questions about the Bucks in general with how they played on Sunday against a team that they let's be realistic should have won by at least double digit points. And the fact that they lost, you know, we we need to hear answers. So we only get to Byron Leftwich today. And that's why, it, you know, you could call it focus or whatever. I wouldn't call it like backtracking because this is the first time we got to speak to, to Byron Leftwich. So, you know, uh, that's it is what it is, really. Uh, shout yeah. out to Robbie for the four ninety nine super chat here. Thank you, Robbie. Appreciate that. You, sir. Um, he says, how active do you believe the Bucks will be at the deadline? What position would they address if they are a left guard, de- defensive tackle, or outside linebacker? All right, yeah. Let's uh, let's segue for a little bit here. We'll get back to Byron Left, which we got plenty more video to get into. Um, there was another story today. Uh, Matt Lombardo had uh, reported the other day that the Bucks have a player on the trade block, and it's a running back. But it's not the running back you might think. It's actually Keyshawn Vaughn, who um, is available for trade. The, the Bucks are making him available. That it is what it is. You know, I don't think teams are really going to be clamoring for Keyshawn Vaughn. No offense to him. He hasn't played an offensive snap this season. The Bucks are pretty much set with Leonard Fournette and, and Rashad White. So it's really just a depth thing with Keyshawn Vaughn. But if the Bucks were going to make a trade, whether or not Keyshawn Vaughn is involved in, um, I think they should go the same model that, the Rams did, which is kind of go all in, make that big trade to get Von Miller, who's now with Buffalo, but you know, you got the end result goal. If I'm the Bucks, I, I mean there's multiple positions that you can look at, but I really think like left guard is probably the number one position that right. you would go and make a trade for. I don't hate the idea of outside linebacker either, because they're just not getting performances from JTS and, and Shaq Barrett and you're not going to bench Shaq. And I think Casey Rogers had a, a good answer today where he talked about that sacks come in bunches. So, right. you know, don't, don't close the door yet on Shaq Barrett, but uh, where would you go if, um, you know, if, if you were going to make a trade for the bucks, I think you look at left guard and that's the, that's where they need the upgrade the most, but they, they seem poised with sticking with get throughout this process. Yeah. And really when you look at left guard, it's a, it's, off, it's training for offensive linemen is tougher than any other position, especially midseason, because no one wants to give up a, a really good guard, and most likely no one really has good guards to give up um, and then get their quarterback killed. Uh, and then even t- teams that are tanking, you know, you still want to be competitive. So I don't think guard is really a situation or, or an area where they're going to be able to find it. To be outside linebacker would be nice, but most of the big outside linebackers that would be available – either sign extensions this year or already moved previously a Khalil Mack and Yvonne Miller and those, those type of guys. So I don't know if that's an area defensive tackle. You want to trade for a defensive tackle. You're better off just signing Sue. He knows the system. He's right. coming. If he's, if he's staying active and, and, you know, keeping himself in football shape, you're better off just re-signing him to me. There's really only one spot. I think the bucks could look for and potentially maybe should look for safety. I, I think, you know, you're right now you have D Delaney playing back there. Uh, if Mike Edwards can't come back. And even if you do have Mike Edwards back, you're still only down to three safeties with Nolan Turner as a guy there. They've activated Josh Wells. And while Josh Wells brings, you know, that swing tackle and is probably a better option than a Fred Johnson or, or Brandon Walton. I just, I don't know if that roster spot is best suited on Josh Wells or if or if uh, that spot on the line even is is best suited to bring in, you know have another offensive lineman that's not a guard that can't challenge for that guard spot. I still think Eric Flowers would be the best choice uh, and he wouldn't cost you any compensation but I think safety is a spot you got to look for. You're you're without Logan Ryan for at least four games and that's when he can come on a fire. That's not when he can he still has a 21 uh, day window to start practicing after he gets off IR. It's not guaranteed that he's going to be back right away. Um, and, you know, set, they could look at center, but still, same thing as left guard. No one really wants to give up a good center yeah. um, when they're in the middle of a season. So 
I think really the only spot that they can realistically could bring someone in would be safety. And that would be to shore up that, that group. And, you know, it'd have to be a guy that can play special teams because when Logan Ryan gets back, you're going to need him to play special teams as well. So I don't know, maybe a t- you look at a team like new England, who's got Jabril preppers and Dugan and McCordy, and uh, they have a, a, a litany of guys, maybe, you know, another team around the league that I'm not familiar with that has safeties, but I think that is the, the only spot where you could really upgrade this team that someone would be willing to give you a player that could upgrade this team for maybe minimal cost and give you that extra depth. I don't know though. Maybe I'm reaching. Yeah. See, safety crossed my mind a little bit because if Logan Ryan's going to be out for, I mean, he is going to be out for a while. He's on IR. So yeah, you're, you essentially just have three, as you mentioned with, with Winfield and Keanu Neal. I was going to say Keanu Reeves, but Keanu Neal. Yeah. And uh, Nolan Turner, as you mentioned. So like, even if you trade it for another safety, it just gives you that opportunity to, if you want to putting Antoine Winfield Jr. Back at that nickel corner position instead of like D Delaney and who knows, like maybe Antoine Winfield Jr. Gets that, that fumble when in the Steelers game last week, if he's playing the D Delaney role and and he's not like back there, you know, playing his traditional safety position so yeah definitely interesting i would say with um with trading for a safety and it does always come down to you know who's available at um you know who's available on 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 the trade trading block because not everyone's just going to give up their guy for free shout out to leo always watching and listening to this show really appreciate the super chat leo he says any chance of gasecki for tight end um, you know, he's been a guy that's really been tossed around. Um, I believe he wanted to sign like a long-term contract with the Dolphins and that didn't necessarily come about. Honestly, and it, sure, it depends on when, you know, Cam Brate, if he comes back at all this season. We did see him in the locker room the past two days, though, which is obviously a good sign. I'm fine with just rocking with Kate Otten, man. Uh, you know, right. the two times that he's... Well, no, the one time that he started, he was very significant to the passing game. Um, you know, he comes <laughs> he comes in, um, you know, after Camp Raid unfortunately got seriously hurt and did a solid job, had that key third down reception on a very, very difficult play. I mean, it was oh, a good throw by Tom Brady, great but play. it was in such a tight window. I'm fine with just rolling the dice with Kate Otten and, and like why are we delaying his future tight end one position? when uh you know you can at least get him a great experience right now so i wouldn't necessarily right. trade for gasecki you know there's always that chance that maybe gronk wants to come back i'd rather just hope for that than trade for a guy that you know what he's going to be in competition with Auden for for tight end one i don't know that, that's how well, i look at it I, I agree and god if if we didn't have this media thing today me and matt were probably going to be talking the whole most yeah. of the show about K Dot and being tight sure. end one is he ready to take that step? And I think he is. Gusecki can't block. <laughs> Plain and simple. You're bringing in uh, a more athletic, a more reliable receiving guy. You're bringing in Cam Braid in his prime. <laughs> you know, that's, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what you're bringing in a guy who's going to be a red zone threat can catch the ball. And I guess they they could definitely use some help. You know, maybe you know receiving, uh, especially in third downs and red zone by a bigger pass catching tight end. But you don't want to delay to the end. I think Kate Otten already is tight end one, to be frankly, even if Cam Brake does come back, he falls into that number two role that he's had the last two years. Um, obviously, Kyle Rudolph has been inactive most of the time. So I think Kate Otten's a guy you roll with uh, and he continues to progress, continues to get better. Obviously, with that throw you mentioned, Brady has trust in him to make plays. So I think that's the guy you want to roll. Someone else brought up Isaiah Wynn from New England, uh, potentially as a he played tackle, but they're playing him at guard as well. As someone who is a fan of New England, I will pass. <laughs> I will pass. Okay, Wynn. Uh, that's all you need to know. Uh, yeah. You know, we just talked about like rolling Kate Otten out there because he's done a solid job when he's gotten more. Yeah you know, minutes out there uh, speaking of rolling, of course, that reminds me of bowling. And if you're going to go bowling, bowling. you got to be going to roll that ball at pin chasers, which is uh, there's multiple locations. As you see on the screen there, East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown and veterans. There's one pretty close to the Advent Health training center where the bucks have their practice facility. 
It's a fun night out with friends and family. It's more than just your typical bowling lane. The food is extremely underrated. Um, they have different deals all the time. All you can eat pizza, all you can bowl, dollar beers, brunch on the weekend. So go to pinchases.net, find out where uh, the best deal is for you. And of course, uh, if you have kids, you can book their birthday party there. They got the arcade room, so you do a little bowling, little video games, a lot of fun stuff for them and of course, um, you know, like I said, it's just a great night out with friends and family. So go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane. Also, start booking your holiday party. I know it's not for a couple months, but they uh, they start booking up pretty, pretty quick. So go to Pinchasers, find out uh, when you can get that set up. That's pinchasers.net. Nathan makes his comment about Rudolph not being on the field. Disappointing. Matt, I, I wonder your thoughts on this because I think when they brought in Rudolph, it was more, we don't know what we have in these young guys. Let's make sure we're protected. And once those guys in, in Otten and Keith stepped up, they're like, okay, you know, these guys are going to play special teams and we can trust them on the field. Rudolph is more of that break glass in case of an emergency situation. But I don't, I mean, I don't, do you think that's kind of what they envisioned uh, what kind of happened and, and maybe they envisioned a bigger role for him. No, I, I fully agree. I think the Bucks believed when they signed Kyle Rudolph, that he would be tight end two behind Cam Brate. And then I think training camp came around. Because remember, uh, Kadon did not practice during like rookie OTAs and no. that OTAs. He was still coming back from his injury. So, they got their first look at Kate Odden in training camp in the preseason. And I think then they realized, all right, we got a good deal here with Kate Odden. And okay, we're going to use Keith in that fullback role. I know he hasn't really been as involved the past couple of weeks, but the offense in general has struggled. It hasn't just been Keith. So I really do think at some point in the calendar year, there was the belief that, that Kyle Rudolph was going to be a factor on this team. But then you know what? A younger guy comes around, Kate Otten, rookie, and he's showing something. And as you said, now I think Kyle Rudolph is just more of an insurance policy. And you know what? Sure, maybe that's not a great thing for Kyle Rudolph, but that's a good situation for the Bucs. And, and Rudolph has played a little bit, you know, when Cam Braid has been hurt or when Kate Otten was unfortunately out. And he hasn't done much when he was in there. He had one catch against the Packers game. He had a drop against... Who was it? Uh, he had a drop against Atlanta. So, like, I don't know. What, what is Kyle really providing this team that they don't have? You know, he's an okay to subpar blocker. He's not a better receiver at this point of his career. I'm talking about the 2022 version of Kyle Rudolph, not Kyle Rudolph from four or five years ago. He's not a better receiver than Kate Otten or Cam Brate right now. So, you know, he's here as an insurance policy, which is – what he's going to be right now with Cam Brado. Right. I agree. All right. Let's get back to Byron Leftwich here. Um, so analytic statistic, just to put that out there. Yeah. All that <laughs> stuff. Um, so Scott comes back with another question for Byron Leftwich. Again, going to why are you running directly at, at Casey Hayward, or sorry, Cam Hayward. I did that again, damn it. At Cam Hayward, when you have Shaq Mason, who is the best guard on this team, there's no there's no debate there. And you have Tristan Wirfs, who is an all-pro right tackle, who's a you know, a, a pretty good, a pretty good offensive lineman if he's all pro, and only in his now going into his third year. So essentially, he was asked. Why are you running it to the left so much when you have your best offensive lineman on the right side? So let's get to that video right now. Runs behind your best players on third and short with third and short situations being so difficult to pick up. We're always doing the best thing for us, what we feel is though the best thing at the time, regardless of if it works or not. We're always trying to do the best thing at that time for it to work. When it don't work, it don't work. We got to get to the drawing board. I got to coach it better. We'll play it better. Can you give me some? We'll get to because the, the next question Scott just asked is, can you give me some logic as to why uh, you ran it to that side? But again, that's what where we're talking about where. Oh, I just I'm going to play it one more time, actually. 
behind your best players on third and short with third and short situations being so difficult to pick up? We're always doing the best thing for us, what we feel as though the best thing at the time, regardless of if it works or not. We're always trying to do the best. That's the part I want to show right there where he says we're always doing the best thing for us and what we feel is the best thing for them at the time. And that's just not true. The best thing for them is to run it towards Shaq Mason and run it towards Tristan Wirfs. You know when it did work, JC, when they when they ran it to their side in short yardage? When they finally mixed it up a little bit and ran a pitch to the outside on fourth down after Tom Brady got stuffed on the QB sneak. They didn't run it to the left side there. They ran it to the right side. And lo and behold, believe it or not, <laughs> the Bucks got a first down in a short yardage situation. Why? Because they went to the right side and they're right. not running it behind Luke Gedeke. So right. and, and and they've found success too when they're pulling Shaq. If you're gonna yeah. run to the left side, pull Shaq. He's one of the best blockers in space. I mean, you look at him, that's that's Shaq's bread and butter is getting out in front of a running back or a wide receiver in space and making Cleek uh, key clutch blocks. I mean, he's had multiple of them this season. And, you know, even going back to training camp, I mean, he had one that he just punished the guy in spring geo for a long touchdown. That's that's what he does best. And if you're going to run it to that left side, you need to be more creative, cre uh, creative with it. And there's no creativity in this offense. There, it's just line up and run it. And and really, you know, I I tried to ask Byron this. Of course, he didn't give me a question, but uh, an answer to the question. But and I didn't want to I didn't want to come off as I didn't know how to word it correctly, but it seems like they're just running their players out there and relying on their talent to win instead of scheming and creatively coming up with different ways, especially with the wide receiver. And I did ask him that question, but you know, you're, 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 you're basing your results on talent beating talent. And that's not going to be the case. Every time there's got to be more creativity in your play Kong. And when you have a guy who's struggling consistently, and even when I was talking to Tristan on Touchback Tuesdays, he he brought up four of the guys. He's I think me, Shaq, Kainzy, and you know we're all trying to bring Luke along. Bring like like you. I just I don't know. I I don't know, Matt. I don't have any words for it. Apparently, Byron has no words for it either, other than we've just got to coach it better and do better. But that's not that's easy to say. That's an easy fallback and. and we need to execute better as an easy fallback answer because there's also different things you can do, different ways you can coach it to be better and different ways you can attack certain plays when you have certain looks like it's just, it's mind boggling. And well, here's follow the follow up. Here's the follow up from left, which on that play it looked like no. the hole was to go behind Gedeke and Hainsey on that, that run. No, no lie. There was some criticism of your quarterback, Tom Brady, uh, just there he says no no logic and he's not saying like i had no logic behind the play he was just refusing to give an explanation as to why. is what he was doing Weisenheimer. i haven't heard <laughs> i haven't heard that one uh in quite a while so yeah you know scott probably said it best where he was like leftwich was frazzled throughout this uh you know this entire situation but you know what it's it's it, I don't necessarily feel bad for Byron because this is his job, you know, and he gets paid very, very well to, um, you know, to do what he's doing. And when you're not performing at a high level, it's you're going to get called out for it. So that's exactly, and you know, what went on with that. The the craziest part of it was too, is when, when you know, I don't know if it's in another clip and I don't want to give it away, but when Scott asked him about something, he's like, that's not true. Like, Oh. I, like, so I, I had cut that part out because right. it's, it's just such a longer video and not right. So that pretty much says you're, you're on this play. You, the, it, it looks like it was designed to run behind get And he goes, that's not true. Like, but when you look at all 22, when you look at coach, and that's what I was alluding to earlier, like, unless it's, unless it's being executed wrong there, I mean, the, the the play call, the play design looks like it's going behind Gedeke. And if it's not true, enlighten us. Why is that not true? Give us the details. Tell us what happened because you're not losing anything. You're not losing a competitive advantage against the Panthers by telling us what happened against the Steelers or what didn't happen rather against the Steelers. It makes no sense. I just don't understand it. And, and to just look at a guy and say, that's not true. Like, okay, if it's not true, then, then you're the coach educate us on why that's not true instead of saying 
there's no logic behind running behind Gedeke. Like, just being a Weisenheimer. I'll say it again for you, Matt. It made no sense. I don't know. I I just don't I don't understand it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that were. Just... I got to put this up here. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, you know what? The that that's a great comment by Clack Five White. That absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Byron would never agree to it. But if they ever got a deal, who's that airline that does that? Uh, American Airlines, Delta, maybe doesn't matter. But whatever airline does that, would this scenario today would have been an excellent like opportunity to uh, you know <laughs> to, you, you to fill that kind it. of commercial. What yeah. was that? What was that commercial? The referee just getting yelled at and it's like, how do you deal with it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that is yeah, a great commercial a good, too. That was a great one. That was yeah, great one. that really was. You know what? Speaking of commercials, let's go to commercial break right now. We're gonna hear from our friends at uh, the Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Just the way you like it. Me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two-cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tara, and I want over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full-time, and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike, and I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won 215000 on Blazing Sevens. Putting my last $40 on the table, next thing you know, bam, 215000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it, right? Anybody can win at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Blazing sevens, baby. <laughs> you never know when you can win big. Never know when you can win big. Uh, by the way, let's get to... I, I kind of like cutting in and out of, of Byron because... Uh, it's a lot of fun. It, it gets, it's a lot of fun. It gets the people frustrated as well. And I don't want the people to be that mad. So let's go through the injury report real quick, which just came about. So remember yesterday... Things we were looking at, uh, Shaq Mason did not practice today, but he did practice today, which was good. He was limited in practice. Cam Brait did not participate again with a ne uh, with a neck injury. Uh, this was a new one. Carlton Davis did not participate because of a hip injury. He was limited the day before. Mike Edwards was a full go once again. Will Golston had the day off with uh, some rest. Logan Hall, he was limited yesterday. He practiced in full today dealing with the abdomen and groin injury another surprise but this is one of those i'll believe it when i see it <laughs> julio jones was limited in practice today uh, shaq mason as i mentioned limited sean murphy bunting did not participate once again so once again looking like smb will not be available for this game akeem hicks neither for the panthers we'll go through this real quick Remember, the, the Panthers are the team that the Bucs are playing this week, just so uh, in yeah. case anyone forgot. Henry Anderson, elbow limited. Sean Chandler, hamstring limited. Pat Elflin did not participate. C.J. Henderson, limited with a concussion. He did not practice the day before, so he might be available this week. J.C. Horn, limited. Matt Ioannidis uh, did not participate. Dante Jackson did not participate. Corey Littleton, limited. Frankie Louvu limited, Baker Mayfield limited. Interesting, but they already announced he's not going to be the starter. <laughs> Leftwich didn't participate. That's a good one. Uh, Taylor Moton limited, and then Laviska Chenault was limited as well. Um, so really, outside of SMB, like and Akeem Hicks, Julio, a little surprising. Carlton, we'll pay attention to tomorrow, but I have more of a feeling it's more of just a. Let's give him the day off type of thing. So, I don't know. We'll see. Right. I mean, he injured a hip last week, but still ended up playing, and he was limited yesterday. I did not participate. It's more more than likely they're using the hip as an injury de designation to give him a day off. It. I mean, he was on the he was on the on the injury report yesterday with a hip, so they're not going to change it to hip slash rest. Um, so I, I kind of feel like that. I'm with you. I think that's 
that's what happened there. I think he's going to be be fine. I want to just address this comment from King Cook talking about Brady's been has has been playing bad all season. I I don't I don't necessarily see that. I I see throws that he's missed for sure, and every and no quarterback's going to be perfect. But Matt, for the most part, you know he's still when he can getting the ball down the field. He's he's one of the stat leaders in the NFL, um, at least in terms of yards. Um, and being able to move the ball down. I mean, he's still making incredible throws. He's fifth in the league in yards. He only has he has eight touchdowns to just one interception, protecting the ball more. I don't necessarily see Brady. I mean, yes, I'm not saying he's he hasn't had some bad plays, but I don't think he's the reason why this team isn't moving the ball, isn't converting, and isn't able to to really kind of execute the way we we all think he was and certainly not because he's going to weddings or spending time with his son or taking 11 days off in the, in, in, during preseason. I don't think any of those reasons are why he's been, uh, you know, he's had some, had some struggles. I don't, I wouldn't say struggled, but some struggles. Yeah. Overall, I think Brady has played pretty well. Has he been as dominant as he was, let's say last season when he led the league in touchdowns? No, clearly not. But I agree with you. I don't think that's the reason that the Bucs are losing right now. And, you know, the old saying, quarterbacks get, you know, too much of the credit and too much of the blame. Right. I think right now he's getting too much of the blame. I mean, I saw, I didn't watch it, but I I, I saw, like, watch it live, I should say. But I, I watched a brief clip of, what's uh, what is it? Indisputed, Skip and, and Shannon. Yeah, Undisputed. And, yeah. yeah, and Shannon's like, he is playing horrible and i'm just like no he's not like he's not playing great do i think tom brady could elevate some of the guys around him a little bit yeah i do and i think some of it's on byron i think some of it's on brady and definitely a lot of it is on the receivers as well but to say that the offense is playing poorly because tom brady hasn't played up to his level i don't think that's a fair assessment the running game has been terrible the offensive line has been below average, and that's forcing Tom to get rid of the ball very quickly. Quickest so, he's ever done it. What's up? Quickest, one of the quickest times he's ever released. Times he's ever had. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think it, that's really fair to say um, that Tom Brady's big reason for it. And also, I'll say this again to the whole wedding thing and, and things of that nature. What if Tom wasn't at a wedding and he was just uh, going out to dinner with someone? Is that that much of a big of a difference? What? Because like people that he know was there again, I'll, I'll say it one more time. Unless Tom Brady got blackout drunk at Robert Kraft's wedding and <laughs> was so hung over the next two days that it's affected his play. That would be an issue. If he just went out for a night and saw some friends, it's no different than if you were at the dinner with someone, if you were at someone's house for uh you know a get together or a soiree it's no different it just happened to be that he was in new york they were flying to pittsburgh anyway all right it's not that far flight wise it's about like an eight hour drive i've made that drive before so i know i know from experience as they say um (laughs) but yeah i don't know i i just think it's easy to point the fingers when they've lost three out of four and you see those pictures get publicized and it becomes a much much bigger deal than it really should be but you know, winning cures a lot, losing the finger gets pointed much more. Right. And I'll even go on top of that and say that the the Patriots had several of their team captains and key leaders at that wedding as well. They beat the Browns 38 to 15 and the Browns defense is nothing to write home about. Oh, and they did it with a fourth round quarterback and their best running back out as well. So I don't I mean, if you're not going to if you're going to throw blame on Brady, uh, you got to look at the other side of the of the other guys who were at that wedding as well that that performed well. I I just think it's a scapegoat for national media to kind of and it's an easy target to write about, I guess, you know. And, you know, the, the Patriots were able to hold on to last place in the AFC East. So so good for them. Another thing that I will, <laughs> um, another thing that I think is is just kind of uh, the one thing I don't understand is Robert Kraft owns an NFL team. Why is he having the wedding during football season? I get that it was a Friday, but I don't know. Like Maybe his health, I don't know. I mean, he is married to someone who's about twenty three, twenty five years younger than him. Yeah, that's, a, that's what Scott was saying too, but yeah, I don't know. 
yeah, as Tobin says here, uh, they're really reaching with with the wedding stuff. I agree. Yeah, I, I think it's a, I, I think it's a big, big reach. Um, to get back to Byron Leftwich, though, I have two more videos that I'll just play back to back, as Drake would say. One <laughs> of them is um, talking about the third down execution uh, where, you know, the, that hasn't really been up to snuff. And and the pass blocking as well. He had a very interesting comment about uh, pass blocking. Well, it's easier to say. A lot of things happened in that game that I really won't go into detail. We just didn't do a good enough job really executing really on any down. We didn't play well enough as an offense. And when you don't, it looks like that. It looks like that anytime you lose football games, that's how you feel. There's always a what if. What if we would have did this? What if we would have did that? Same when you win. You win, you do the same thing. What if we did this? What if we did that? It could have been a little better here and there. So that's the game. We understand that. We understand where we're at. We're just going to keep chipping, keep working. And I, I, I still like who I have, who we are, the coaching staff, same coaching staff, same everything. We're just going to keep working and try to get this thing turned around. Is the pass blocking good? And then uh, here's his comment about pass blocking that may raise some eyebrows. Shots or, because I, I, I see Tom's getting rid of the ball even quicker than he has in the past. And I also know too that, that teams are, are oftentimes forcing you guys to, to check down and, and they're not blitzing you, but it's like they're they're not allowing some of those deep shots too. No, our, so. our pass blocking is fine. Our pass I think we may be one or two in the league as, as far as that. Our pass blocking is fine. Last year you guys finished I don't think they're one or two in the league. And I don't think their pass blocking is fine. Maybe that's just me. I, I, I would I would agree with that. Uh, <laughs> I don't necessarily know if their pass blocking is one or two in the league. I can find that out right now, but certainly um, hasn't been hasn't been up to par. And of course, there's you know you look at Luke Gedicki has been a, a big part of that. Um, uh, but there's been struggles too with with Donovan Smith. I mean, he let one guy blow by him last week. Um, even in run blocking situation, Tristan Wirfs had a bad snap against Ogan Joby, um, you know, for as much as Donovan Smith bodied his defender against the Falcons, he still let him buy him one time. I mean, so that's been, but, but a majority of that pressure has come up front. I mean, you look at Cam Hayward had a sack. Chris Jones had a sack that was nullified with the roughing the passer and Grady Jarrett had sacks. So, I mean, it's there, there teams are, are noticing where the bucks are the weakest and they're lining up their, their defensive tackle. Now they've had a, a run, a murderer's row, if you will, of defensive tackles. who are all pro bowlers and, and they're figuring out whether they usually line up on the left side or the right side. They're putting them on that right side above the, the left guard, Luke Gedeke, and they're having, they're, they're winning and the pressure's getting there. Uh, the sacks are down, but that's because as we mentioned earlier, Brady's getting the ball at an unbelievable rate, the fastest rate in the NFL. Um, and, you know, part of that pressure is why we're not seeing as many downfield passes. Now, Brady's still, I think he's 11th in the league with downfield throws, not completions, but at least throws. But, you know, Leonard Fournette leads this team in, in, in receiving yards because it's not there. Those deep balls aren't there because corners know, because after that first down run, corners and defenses know that they don't, that they have to pass because they're usually put in disadvantageous positions and they have to pass. So Brady is having to settle for those checkdowns, and some of them have turned out to be great plays. I mean, the touchdown to Lenny for to, to Leonard um, on, on Sunday was one yeah. of those plays. So, I mean, some of them have been good plays, um, but it still doesn't explain. It still leads to the question of, okay, how are you going to help them? Which Scott alluded to earlier when we talked about earlier and, how do you fix this problem? Because if it continues, the predictability of this offense is just glaring right now. It is. Everyone knows what's coming. You know, it could be a first and 15 from shotgun. You know, they're going to run the ball, which is just like absolutely excruciating. Um, third and, what is it? First and 17, Matt, was that run? Like, <laughs> yeah. And they did it a couple of weeks ago at home against the Packers. So, you know, you, you really you can really kind of like just tell what they're going to do, which is really uh, frustrating. But if you can tell what other players are going to do, you might want to bet on them with underdog fantasy. 
big fans of underdogs, especially their pickums and their rivals. That's where you have one guy week. go up against another. JC won sixty bucks ne- uh, last week. That's that's pretty awesome. It's the easiest way to get some action on the NFL. That's underdog fantasy in their pick'em game. You just pick an over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. You can win up to twenty times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip. Get every pick right. Take home some cold hard cash. Use promo code Pewter. Get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog Fantasy. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you can learn, or you can understand, I should say, that that is a great deal with Underdog Fantasy. Once again, promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. And of course, there's a Thursday night football game on tonight between the rivals of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New Orleans Saints going up against the Arizona Cardinals. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to make a my bookie pick right now, right here on air, looking at the matchups that we got going on. Let's remember that Andy Dalton, of course, is uh, the starting quarterback for the Saints today. So you know what? I'm going to pick Andy Dalton to have an interception. I think Bucks fans would really like that. So we're going to go higher on 0.5 interceptions with Andy Dalton. You got Alvin Kamara, 34 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to say, because Bucks fans don't like the Saints, I'm going to say Alvin Kamara does not score a touchdown tonight. Now I got to pick one for the Cardinals. They don't have Michael Thomas or Landry. That's true. Yeah, I like to live dangerously. Um, DeAndre Hopkins has returned. He's got five and a half receptions. Hmm. I'm going to go DeAndre Hopkins higher than 13.25 fantasy points. So those are my picks right there, ladies and gentlemen. One interception for Andy Dalton. No touchdowns for Alvin Kamara. And over... 13.25 13.25 fantasy points for uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who I met last year. So oh. personal friend. Um, <laughs> but yeah, make sure you go and make all of your picks at uh, Underdog Fantasy. And you know what? Ride with my picks. Fade my picks. Just let us know what you are, are going with, and we will uh, we'll, we'll shout you out. So definitely let us know with uh, Underdog Fantasy. JC, let's move over to Tom Brady now. Yeah, we spent a Byron lot of time. <laughs> yeah, Byron was not the only one, even though he was the center of attention. So Tom Brady started off his, his press conference by uh, apologizing for a comment that he made on his Let's Go podcast, where he essentially compared preparing for football season, focusing on football, to uh, going away for the military for a military deployment. Um, he said he used a poor choice of words and playing a game of football is not the same as, as fighting for your country. So he started off uh, apologizing for that comment that he made. So um, just so people are aware of that, I know it was a point of contention overall. Uh, he apologized for it. So there you go. Uh, then moving on, similar questions to Tom about just the, the struggles on the offense, the predictability of the offense. Is it on the play calling? Is it, is it on the players? So uh, Tom was asked a little bit about that. He is the ultimate, you know, filibuster guy, but I, I thought he had a good response the first time that you JC asked him about just the predictability and not being able to run the ball on first down. He said, it's really, a lot more about execution more than anything else that Byron Leftwich called. So uh, here's Tom Brady getting into that discussion. Up there, and is it hard when the when the positional grouping out there for you to audible into different plays and really have success? I think our problems are an execution problem. You know, I think that the, every team has different things they like to do and do differently, and uh, you know, their scouting reports and so forth. I think if you, in my opinion, you know, we watch the film. You know, we need to do a better job executing 
and there's plenty of plays out there for us to make that we haven't made. So that's what we have. Execution aside, though, when you're continuously running on first downs and having some unsuccessful attempts there, yeah. teams are starting to pick up on that. Hey, they're going to yeah. run on first downs, then they're putting in second and third long. Now we can play a little bit off because they have to pass. That hasn't been an issue at all, you don't think, for this team? Well, I think, you know, if you improve the run game and then gain more yards on first down, then you're in a better situation. Yeah, if you hand it off on first down, you don't gain yards. It's difficult because you're in second and long. But if you do gain yards, you're in second and short, and you have a great selection of plays. So, again, I think it's not as much play selection as when you run it, you want to be efficient when you run it. When you throw it, you want to be efficient when you throw it. So I think about it more of not necessarily what plays are called, but are we executing the plays that are called in order to, you know, if you want a positive run, did we gain five yards? And if we didn't, why did we not? Was it the wrong look? Was it a bad look? Was it, you know, a, a difficult alignment by the defense that didn't allow us to do that? And then when we throw it, same thing. Are we throwing it into a good look or a bad look? So every defense has strengths and weaknesses, and, you know, we just have to do a better job executing. And not to push back. As I said before, you know, Brady can tend to like filibuster at times, but I thought he actually provided like pretty good insight there, whether it's just about the execution in general or like, all right, well, if we run the ball well on first down, then, you know, everything else becomes a little right. bit easier. So I don't know. It was a better response than I kind of expected from Brady. Just doing this for three years now with Brady on the box. It, you can't always predict exactly what he's going to say, but you kind of have like an idea of what direction he might go in. Right, and the third, the the, the third follow up question that kind of drew some of the ire of of Bucks media. Uh, I was pretty much asking, when is it time to go to Byron and say this isn't working? And he came back with that filibuster answer: it's execution. Uh, if I had another chance to ask him, he he, you saw in that second uh, follow up question, he talked about, well, what was the defensive line? What looks were we getting? Did we get a bad look? Well, that goes. Part of what was my first question was the, the situation audible. When you're in a, a, such a distinct running play and co-keep, you, you know, we're on the keep train here. But when he's out there, it's almost predictable that he's going to be it's going to be a run play. And when you're with two tight ends out there in, in certain sets like that, it, it's really hard to audible into different plays because of the skill set. I mean, there's plays drawn up for them, but, you know, to move the ball a certain way you know, there, there's gotta be the right personnel on the field. And when Brady said, well, you know, was it a bad look? Well, if it's a bad look, no one's better at deciphering a defense than Brady is. Why did you stay in that look? Why didn't you audible into a different look? And that's something that we haven't seen a lot from Brady. And is it because of the personnel group? And he didn't answer that second part of the, of the first question, but is that part of that? Is it, because of the personnel groupings, you don't feel comfortable in, into audibling into a different play. I, I, you know, if it's a bad look, why are we running into that bad look? Knowing that you're probably not going to have success and you're probably not going to execute, which was his key word of that whole thing, like you like you want to. Yeah, I, I think it was a specific question, and I don't think Brady is really going to, you know, air out anyone in that in sure, that type of situation. Not, but uh, shout out mobbing for Christ. He said you can't execute with a suspect no line. That's true. It's kind of like everything coming, you know, for full circle right. um, in that situation. So Brady was asked a couple of other questions. And then um, the last one, again, not every single time, but a lot of times you'll get uh, some comical responses from, from Tom Brady that uh, tend to go viral. And I think this is the next one in that allotment. So apparently Chris Sims from Pro Football Talk and NBC is on Sunday Night Football. He made this statement on, I don't know, one of the shows that he's on or podcast where he said that he believes that Brady is going to pack it up, call it quits and retire like midway through the season because things are going tough right now, which is a bit of an odd statement for multiple reasons. One, Tom Brady is the ultimate comeback guy 28 to three and and all of that stuff so you know he's been through adversity he's a guy that is essentially picking football over his marriage um so to just give up right then and there he's a guy that retired and then decided to unretire i don't think he's going to re-retire uh because of that um but anyway he was asked that question about phil uh chris sims comments and this was brady's Ever comical response. You know, Tom is not even going to finish out the season. 
clarify like well, that's your really why I'm here I'm here to announce <laughs> finally <laughs> you guys push me to the brink <laughs> and uh, no I think you know I think a lot of it for me is just us going out there to you know I love the sport and I love the teammates and and uh, you know I want to go do a great job for this team like I always have so no retirement in my future <laughs> thank you guys. appreciate it no retirement in my future or his future. So, uh, yep, he's playing till he's 50. So pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Florio got wind of that question and fired back. And he's like, it was a hypothetical conversation, a loose based conversation between me and Sims. And we were talking about who would be who would likely to pack it up in the middle of the season. a la Vante Davis uh, a, a, between Rogers or Brady. And then he, he fired off about how no one asked about the, the left, uh, the Roethlisberger comments, which they did. And uh, no, they did. Yeah. I, I forget who. Yeah, exactly. So I forget who said it. It was someone on Twitter was like, it stinks when someone takes a, <laughs> takes something that's so like unfathomable or whatnot and runs with it as a story, isn't it? In regards to Florio's this, yeah. uh, his, his dislike of the Bucks organization and, and writing whatever they can about it for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, was, Brady was actually... Like he was asked about the Roethlisberger thing, but he didn't address the Roethlisberger statement at all. He just said like it's frustrating when you're not playing well and yada 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 yada. But he didn't actually like say, well, when Ben said this, like I don't mind. He just says like, oh, so and so's a friend, blah blah blah. But uh, that that wasn't actually the case when it came down to that. JC, we have not talked about the Panthers at all, so just real quick. Just tell me what you think of this game, uh, what Tampa Bay has to do to get back on the winning track. Unfortunately, the two areas where the Panthers can really exploit this Bucks team are Christian McCaffrey against the Devin White, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, which hasn't been pretty the last couple of games, and Derek Brown against a uh, Luke Gedeke, another big defensive tackle. You know, I think he was a top five pick from Auburn for the Panthers. Um I'm not sure where he was drafted, but somewhere high. I know that. But, you know, that's two big things that they're going to have to overcome. Um, and, you know, maybe Byron will give Gedeke some more help this week. Uh, maybe Devin White steps up and he plays with some interest instead of being bored and and can actually, you know, make tackles yeah. and, and do his job in coverage. Um, you know, they've got some decent players in the secondary with Jeremy Chin. Actually, I don't even think Chin's playing right now. I think he's on IR. Um, but, you know, J.C. Horn... They've got some decent players there, and the Bucs are – It's uh, I hate to mimic Brady, but at this point in time, it's execution. They need to execute, um, and they need to be on the same page. And, you know, the coaches have said communication needs to get better on third down. They need to be better in, in all three phases. And, Matt, you wrote an article, and I wrote an article pretty much about the same thing because it's such a point of contention right now, third down offense, third down defense, and red zone. They need to pick it up in all those areas, and if they don't, we're going to see another performance like we did last week. I mean, we talked about Atlanta being a get-right game. Didn't necessarily happen. Yeah. <laughs> they only won by seven points, and it could have been an even worse loss um, or an even different game if that roughing the, the passer wasn't called. Um, and Atlanta could have got the ball back there. So, you know, then you look at last week. Uh, obviously, that was definitely not a get-right game. Um, nope. So this is their only game that they have to really kind of Put it together and play four quarters of football on both sides before they get a short turnaround week against the Ravens, which is a tough team, um, especially Thursday night games are yeah. weird. And then, and then the Rams after that. So, yeah, I, I totally hear you. And, yeah, and then the Germany trip. And the Seahawks are, like, still not good, but way better than I think a lot of people, like, truly Finding expected. ways to win. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good way of saying it. Finding ways to win. So, yeah, I'm with you like that defense for the Panthers can at least somewhat keep them in the game. And then, you know, it's going to be shutting down Christian McCaffrey, which in the past they've done a good job of, but not in terms of stopping the run. This iteration of the Bucks defense has not done well with. And then DJ Moore, solid receiver. You know, you got to you got to look out for him. But obviously the Steelers had a couple better receivers than the Panthers receivers and they did what they did so yeah they got to st stop christian uh mccaffrey and we'll break down a lot more of bucks first panthers on sunday during yes, the sir. celsius pewter report tailgate show presented by age rejuvenation and live from the walk-ons in wesley chapel yesterday we said it was midtown that was a mixed up mix up that's our bad it's going to be live from the walk-ons in wesley chapel 
So everyone, put that down on your calendar, planner, uh, whatever you use to uh, remind yourself of things. So that will be the Celsius Pewter Report Tailgate Show presented by Age Rejuvenation live at the Walk-Ons in Midtown. Uh, I did it again. And Wesley Chapel. In Wesley Chapel, uh, that will start at 11 o'clock with Scott Reynolds and Bailey Adams. So exciting to have that duo on. John Gilmore, of course, as well. And then the Pewter Game Day show with yours truly. I will be going live at 1 o'clock, giving my uh, you know reactions, analysis, and everything else and in between for the Bucks and the Panthers, where hopefully the Bucks get back on the winning track. Right. And, of course, just another reminder to everyone to please uh, follow PewterReport.com on our Twitter, Instagram, our Facebook, and our YouTube. Uh, we will be dropping a video very soon. Uh, later tonight, uh, probably, yeah, yeah, but before the Sunday night game, the Thursday night game starts of uh, all of the Byron Leftwich stuff with, uh, you know, with full context, with with full video and everything like that. So keep an eye out for that one and uh, keep an eye out for the tailgate show and everything on Sunday. So for JC Allen, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching. We'll see you on Sunday for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. Out.